Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Hi, I'm Scott Hahn, and I'd like to invite you personally to join me and Breadbox Media on August 24th in New Oxford, Pennsylvania. For a day of spiritual renewal, I'll be presenting three talks, one on St. Joseph, one on the Sacrament of Matrimony, and another one on the Holy Eucharist. Learn more and register at breadboxmedia.com forward slash PA conference. I hope to see you there. Celebrate our God-given freedom and faith while honoring our Blessed Mother with Girelli's USA Rosary. Each state is represented on this rosary's 50 beads. Red, white, and blue enamel adorn its patriotic crucifix. Get yours today. Shop www.ghirelli.com. O Lord, my God, Thou searchest me. My heart and mind are known to Thee. Nothing is hidden from Thy eyes. When I sit down and... In the name of the Father, the Son, Holy Spirit, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with Thee. Blessed art Thou, my name. Bless the fruit of Thy Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners Come, Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of your faithful and kindle within us the fire of your divine love. Send forth your spirit, and they shall be created. Let us pray. O God, instruct the hearts of your faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit. Grant that by the same spirit may be truly wise and rejoice. In his consolation to the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Lady Guadalupe. Pray for us. Saint Joseph. Pray for us. Father Terry. Pray for us. Saint Ignatius. Pray for us. Saint Faustina. Pray for us. All God's angels and saints. Pray for us. Good evening. Good evening. So this. Uh, is uh, technically the last week of our 10-week program, so thanks be to God that all of you have persevered for the wonderful course. Hopefully you've got, have you received uh, many graces from this course? Yes. Oh. So we really want to thank God for the many graces that we received in this these nine weeks, and we've, we've got also the 10th week that we have to conclude this week. Um, this week we're uh, we're celebrating Easter. Okay, so last week was Passion Week, so this week is Easter. So it's a week of great joy. Yeah? Mm -hmm. We celebrate Jesus, who truly rose from the dead, and that's a source of inexpressible joy. The fact that our Lord rose from the dead, which is the the very foundation of our Catholic faith, is the resurrection of Christ. As Paul says, if Christ is not risen from the dead, we're the most to be pitied if we don't believe in the resurrection. Eat, drink, and be merry, live it up. And Paul says, if there's no resurrection. So uh, what I what we try to do in this course over the past few years, um, before giving you some meditations upon the resurrection and explaining its meaning, is... Um, Spend a few minutes on perseverance. 
And I want to say perseverance is this. After this, uh, this uh, presentation and your sharing, um, in a certain sense, um, you know, we end the course, and um, I think if, you, if you've done the course well, you should be saying, at least mentally, well, what next? So I'd like to respond to that what next question is probably lingering in your memory bank, okay? Because if you do not have some type of follow-up from this, uh, you're probably just going to return to the status quo the way it was 10 weeks ago. And you're probably going to, in time, uh, be, uh, you're just going to be a mediocre Catholic as you know, most, most Catholics are mediocre. I mean, I'm, not, I'm not a pessimist, I'm a realist, okay? Most Catholics are mediocre on a good day. <laughs> the church is going through tough times, right? because of mediocre Catholics. So if you don't have some type of uh, strategy or, or game plan, um, if you are to come back to me a year from today without any strategy or game plan and say, Father, I persevered in the holy hour, I would probably have a heart attack. You know? I'd be shocked. You know? Because in your spiritual life, obviously, this is the most difficult program you've ever had, by far, you know? It's almost like light years different from any other program you've had. This is the most demanding, it demands the most maturity and discipline. Uh, making a holy hour, <laughs> not easy, you no? Know? So if I don't give you some, some, um, network by which you'll be able to persevere, you'll probably just go back to the your uh, normal way of life and probably your relatives is, have probably been saying to you, you know, just go back to being a normal person, okay? You know, just be normal, you know, getting up, doing a holy hour, you're, you're a fanatic, you're crazy, why are you doing that? Calm down and, and calm down and enjoy life. No, no why kill yourself? No? no, call to enjoy life, right? You got one life to live, just live it up. No, it's Miller time. The other really kind of just, just enjoy life. Kick back, let your hair down, and just have a. You 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 deserve a break today, McDonald's, and it's Miller time. You know, just all those modern cliches that have, by osmosis, insinuated themselves into our inner life, almost uh, unbeknownst to us, okay? Do you want to be mediocre? No. Yeah, yes? No. No. You can't be. I disagree. You can be, if you want to be. If you persevere, and what we've we've given you a foundation, you won't. But it's just e much easier to go back. What, what's what's harder to kneel down in a card, hard, cold marble floor at five o'clock in the morning, or to plop on a sofa and become a co couch potato, eating uh, popcorn and Coca-Cola and watching a soap opera? What's easier? Come on. 
Hello? Come on. The exercises are better. The exercises are better, but it's easier just to, just to no. flop back and kind of enjoy life and be a couch potato and eat and drink and have your, have your beer and watch your soap opera or your football game or baseball game. It's easy to do that. Uh, doing the spiritual exercise, well, it's a lot of work. But it's worth it. I'm glad you're supporting me, huh? <laughs> Good. I, I like you. You're supporting me. Every minute of it is worth it. What's that? Every minute of it is worth it. Did you hear that? Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You're okay. But it's the truth. She said it's the truth. Did you hear her? Yes. Very good. I like your I like your way of thinking. Well, you gained so much. Yes, it's true. You gained so much. You know, in a in a certain sense, we're really right because if you look at it mathematically, um, one hour a day, it's probably I'm not a math major, but probably six to seven percent of the day. One hour out of 24 hours is really not that much, is it? Mathematically, right? And we're famous in this country for wasting time. Wasting time on things that are maybe not necessarily uh, noxious or, or sinful, but things that are just downright superficial, insignificant, unimportant. We all have hobbies, no? no I, I think our hobbies should be, how, how can we improve our holy hour? Study up on that, right? <laughs> right, Mary? I like that. Mm -hmm. A hobby of, you know, having butterflies or a coin collection or... No. no, no reading. Reading good or, you know, bottle caps, you, you know, collect bottle caps, okay. Or, or, or Dodger cards from the 60s, no? No. Sandy Koufax, right? Yeah. Drysdale, no? People spend a lot of time on things that are just unimportant. So we're going to give you a, a series of uh, suggestions of what you can do so that you, you will persevere. Okay, uh, this Friday, as we've done this the past few years, we have a, a, per, a, a perseverance group. It's actually called Perseverance. So 7.30 p.m. on Friday, uh, we, um, we have a, a group in which we give a talk on spirituality. And the topic is, we're going through the diary of St. Faustino. You like that? Yes. Yes. So the diary of St. Faustino, and uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a text or topic that just leads you into deeper prayer just by reading it. It's informative. It's easy to understand. It's... Uh, very, uh, very deep, but very understandable. It's very prayerful. 
and it's uh, you got many numbers, so there's 1,828 entries. Last week I finished 163, so I'll be finished probably by the year 2056 when I'm 100 years of age, okay? I'll be celebrating my 100th birthday, okay? Then someone will come around and pick it up from there, okay? I find I find the text just to be just be so inspiring. After the Bible, it's my favorite reading now for the past couple of years. You open it up, and I did a YouTube this uh, afternoon on number two in the Divine Mercy, which is one of my favorites. In which God says not to worry about the past because the past is gone. Don't worry about the future because that's in God's divine providence. Let's live in the present moment. St. Therese calls the sacrament of the present moment. The past we can't change. Let's leave that in God's mercy. The future is beyond the grasp. We can't determine. So we can't determine tomorrow. But we can only live in the present moment. It's just one, one number out of 1,828 numbers. Okay? So you're invited. And we'll see all of you at 7.30 on Friday. Okay? In the old church. And it's, uh, it couldn't be, the price couldn't be better because it's free of charge. Okay? The second is uh, have your eyes open to retreats that we give. In about two weeks, we're going to be going on an eight-day Ignatian retreat. If you never made uh, an Ignatian retreat, you should eventually try to, uh, to get that retreat in. Because you're meditating an hour a day for these ten weeks. You go off on a retreat, you can be meditating five hours a day for eight days. That means you're meditating 40 hours in eight days. And that's a way in which you can really go, really go deep in your spiritual life. Okay, if you can't do an eight-day retreat, we, we may be offering, within the next few months, a four- to five-day retreat. Yeah, if you're mainly we're working on a five-day retreat within the next few months. So, the eight-day retreat, by the way, is um, yeah, it was filled up uh, filled up within about two months after we started registration. I mean, people are just uh, we could probably do two eight-day retreats because it's, it's becoming very popular. We've been doing it. This, I think, will be our twelfth year. And so this is the, this will be our twelfth year giving an eight-day retreat. We do it in the uh, Sacred Heart Retreat House in Alhambra. It's a great place. You got the sisters praying for you. I'll give you uh, four um, short talks today to kind of give you a motivation. Uh, then we have also the nuns praying for you. So it's just a great experience. You'll have your own spiritual director. 
We'll have masses, confessions, um, um, kind of spoiled. No? <laughs> you ask us priests how difficult it is for us to find us to, get, to, to make our own retreat. You got it made in the shade, as we say in New York. Um, so uh, I would take advantage of that. Given that our charism is oblates is giving retreats, you know, it's our, our specialty is giving Ignatian retreats. So um, if it's the charism of the oblates, that means our, that's our, our forte, our specialization. I've been giving Ignatian retreats for more than 30 years, so I've got a little bit of experience. So. From half-day retreats to third-day, I gave a third-day retreat in Mexico about 25 years ago, so. No Ignatian spirituality, at least a little bit, no. And that's where people really go deeper in their spiritual life. Right, Dina? Yeah. That's where people really go deep. Otherwise, you you, you usually will, will plateau and you'll kind of, kind of fizz out. But Ignatian spiritual helps you to go deep if you take it seriously. If you don't take it seriously, you know, you, you get what you give. If you give with generosity and magnanimity, your, your harvest is going to be almost infinite. But then no, no, no free ride, though. You've got to work. No freebies, huh? You've got to work. Huh? Roll up your sleeves. <laughs> You've got to pump the iron, huh? You've got to work on it. Okay, next... is uh, make sure you, you, you give Mary your email because we have, uh, we have holy hours and a mass. We try to do that. Uh, our ideal is every month, but we, probably every other month. So we expose the Blessed Sacrament, have the holy hour together. We end with the holy sacrifice of the mass. So uh, that's usually done on Saturday, Saturday, uh, morning or early afternoon. Okay, next is um, getting to know Ignatian spirituality better. Reading, reading good books on Ignatian spirituality. Father Thomas Dubay, who was one of the best writers in this country for 50 years, he died about five years ago. Great writer. He says that busy people only have enough time to read the best books. I like that. You know, you, one of the greatest uh, classics in literature is uh, War and Peace by Tolstoy, but 1,500 pages. I mean, I don't have time. Maybe you do. I read it. <laughs> Not overnight, right? No. <laughs> it's a classic, right? It took me two weeks. Two weeks? Well, that's pretty... Speed reading, huh? 
Late Miserable was 1,442 pages. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Were you reading that last night, Tina? Late Miserable? You're a prolific reader. Well, I've read over 5,000 books. Wow. I started reading when I was three. Three? Over 5,000 books? Jessica has read, read, read over 4,500 books, right? <laughs> Sad to say, before Convert, there were comic books, right? <laughs> Crime and Punishment. Crime and Punishment by Dostoevsky, right? Anna the Idiot. Okay. You read Solzhenitsyn, too? Oh, Cancer Ward, One Life and One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich. You read those? No, I didn't. Oh, oh I read a couple you haven't read, huh? <laughs> One, one upmanship, okay? <laughs> oh, we can make a pact, right? Okay. Well, you read all the classics. <laughs> right? Very prolific reader. Uh, but you have to, have you read all the letters of St. Ignatius? Not completely, but I've read some of the confessions. How many of Okay, there's 7,000 letters. You have to start tonight, okay? <laughs> 7,000 letters. You have to start tonight, St. Ignatius, okay? Okay. You read the confessions of St. Augustine. City of God, too? Yes. De Trinitate? Yes. Wow. And when I give my course in theology next year, I know who my consultant will be. <laughs> You're going to make me a consultant when I prepare my next course in theology, you know? <laughs> well, it's so good. I'm, I, we're impressed, you know? <laughs> okay, so, uh, but you have not read all Father Tim Timothy Gallagher's books on the spiritual exercise. That's going to be your next uh, gold mine of literary pursuit, okay? okay? And they are, first is spiritual discernment, which would be, he uh, explains the 14 rules for discernment. <coughs> spiritual consolation would be the other eight rules, which we haven't gone through yet. He's got one on the daily examine, which all of you are doing very faithfully every day, I'm sure. Beyond the shadow of a doubt. We hope anyway. And he wrote a book on, a simple book on model contemplations. And he wrote a book on discerning one's vocation. <laughs> wrote a book on Lecture Divina. Very good. He wrote a book on our founder, Father Venerable, Venerable Father Bruno Lanteri. It's uh, when you get to know the Oblates Charism. So he's writing, he's written a lot of books if you want to get to know Ignatian spirituality. Father Tim Gallagher is an Oblate priest. Been on EW10 at least the past 15 years and um, prolific writer, giving a lot of seminars and retreats to priests and seminarians. So, there we have that. Okay, next suggestion would be, Jesus says, 
if the blind leads the blind, they'll both fall into the pit, right? All of you, if you're pursuing holiness, all of you should have uh, your own spiritual director. Do you have one? Hello? Okay, you have to you have to get one, okay? Uh, you have to get one. Because you arrive at a certain point in your spiritual life without direction, you're gonna stagnate. You're not gonna you're not gonna progress anymore. Did you know that St. Teresa of Avila had three canonized saints as her spiritual directors? John Lacrosse, hmm? St. Peter Alcantara, St. Francis Borja. Not only that, but she had as a spiritual director one of the most brilliant theologians of the time. His name was Geronimo Gracian. In English we said Jerome Gracian, who was a Dominican top-notch theologian that was directing her also. You know, we all have, uh, we all have blind spots. We all have blind spots. There are three visions of you. How your neighbor sees you, how you see yourself and how God sees you. The first and the second are not totally true. The third is absolutely true. And God helps us through the human mediation to, to get to know more and more, more what makes our, our inner clock tick or maybe not tick. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Some of you are thinking, well, how, how am I going to do that? It's kind of a monumental task that goes beyond my human cap capacity. Is that what you're thinking? Mm -hmm. I'm reading your mind. Right? But the Bible says everything is possible for God. Amen? Amen. Everything is possible for God. So I've thought about this problem over the past um, uh, past 10, 11, 12 years. And this thought occurred to me. The best director, the best director obviously would be the priest. Because we have a, we have a, we have a sacraments, we have a sacrament, holy orders. We have a degree in theology. We have pastoral experience, so kind of no brainer. Obviously, you probably want the priest. But we're becoming more and more a rare commodity, so to speak. So what we've done over the past few years, so 
we've uh, we have lay spiritual directors, and all of you should have take advantage of that for your spiritual direction under our supervision. So. Uh, Within probably two years, we will have, I would say, close to 40. Right, Mary? Yeah. Kristen? We already have about, we already have at least 15, maybe 20, you know. We have what are called spiritual companions, and, and um, in a couple of weeks we'll have spiritual directors. We've got a couple here, Mary and Dana. Uh, they will be foremost spiritual directors after a long three, four, five years preparation. And uh, we've got um, Eric Files, who's working a lot with the men. So all of you should uh, all of you should take advantage of that of that um, that opportunity. You just place your name at the end of this class that you'd like a spiritual direction and we'll connect you with um, one of those directors within probably the next month. Just face it, um, you don't have spiritual direction, you're not going to persevere in the holy hour. Don't kid yourself. It's too hard. But if you have a spiritual director, one of the first things that the spiritual director is going to ask you is, how's your holy hour going? Right? <coughs> How are you doing with your holy hour? You said, I didn't do it. Why? Because of laziness. Does laziness come from the good spirit or the bad spirit? You're being overcome by the devil. <gasps> wow, that director is pretty blunt. Sounds like Father Broom. <laughs> it does sound like Father Broom. No? So we have a spiritual director that's actually giving, giving an in-house course on the on the Holy Hour. Alice Palanca, no. So she's training a group, a, a big group of them on how to make a holy, how to be faithful, how to do it, what are the ins and outs. You've given a very in-depth analysis of uh, how to make the holy hour. So, obviously, if, 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 you, if you take spiritual direction seriously, you're going to persevere or you're going you're to drop the, the, the spiritual direction. You just go, go back to your, your normal life. Okay. Because you got account, you, you, you've got accountability, and accountability is good for us because we te we tend toward laziness. We tend to be lazy. Then that's part of being human, right? We tend to seek out the easier path. Now, I mean, I now, I mean, I can't force you to get one. But I think if you just flaunt the opportunity, I think you're I think you're resisting God's grace.
you're resisting a challenge to become holy, to become a saint. Within three or four, within I'd say two, two, two and a half years, this will be the parish in the United States that probably has more spiritual directors more than any parish in the United States of America. Right, Krista? Yeah. I mean, some parishes might have, you know, priests that are doing the work, especially the religious priests, and you might have like a nun that's on staff. But having 40 spiritual directors in one parish, I mean, that's unheard of. It's not even a retreat house, for that matter. A retreat house, that's, that's something different. No? But in the context of the parish, this is un, almost unthinkable. Yes? Does one like, talk to the person on the phone, or do you meet in person? Meet in person, yeah. And how often do you do that? Um, I, usually, when you're starting out, it might be um, every week for a couple weeks, and it might be every other week, and then for many, it's a, probably about a month. I would say um, you're the experts. What do you say, Dana? After that, one, like once a month. Mary. Krista. Because right here we have three spiritual directors here with us. No. Yeah, once uh, once a month. Uh, and you really think it's not that much, really. I mean, I I see my spiritual director once a month. Um, I, I travel to uh, Waverly Street, the House of Prayer, with the priest there. I go, I, I go with probably the most well-known spiritual director in L.A. I've got him who's directing me, thanks be to God, no? For about 10 years, no? Um, he was driving Fulton Sheen around in the car when he came in, so he's, he's a little bit older than me, no? Well, not too much older. Ignatian spirituality is such Ignatian spirituality is such that it's meant to be done with someone accompanying you. You're not going to be able to make it. You're not going to arrive at holiness without someone accompanying you. See, some of you looking at me with jaundiced, cynical, skeptical countenance on your face, no? I can use that expression, no? But I think you should be doing cartwheels of joy and right afterwards say, sign me up, Father. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's free of charge, too. We're not, we're not going to be emptying your, your pocketbook that's already pretty empty, huh? I think I think you should be doing somersaults of joy, the fact that we're offering this to you. Say, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you. That deserves a thank you note, huh? So sign up. And then you'll persevere. Otherwise, welcome to mediocrity. Welcome to lukewarmness.
Welcome on your tombstone. She wouldn't hurt a fly. Oh. Mm. I like it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Nor a mosquito. <laughs> okay, so um, I've given my pitch so that you'll persevere. Uh, Mary, I'm going to take about a, a one-minute break, and then I'll be back for the prison. Can I do that, Mary? You might have to change the battery, too. Oh, okay. I'm going to be back in about a minute, and I'm going to give you your meditation for, the, for Easter, okay? So think about that, and I really encourage you, get a spiritual director. You hear me? you got, you, you got to think about that seriously. We'll be right back in about two minutes. To be dead honest with you, when I meet people who've done the exercises, and they've give up, they, they, they give up their meditation. They give up. The, I mean, <laughs> I I fall into desolation a little bit. I mean, I got feelings too. No, certain sense of futility. You know, putting all this effort and labor in the talks to facilitate. We give you the so much material, and then going back to mediocrity. I I, I get a little bit of desolation. I've got feelings too. Because <laughs> if you really, if you collaborate with this program, all of you can become great saints. But you got to work at it. And no pain, no gain, huh? <laughs> no pain, no gain. You gotta, you gotta will it, and you gotta work. And I really believe this is a good philosophy. Let's work hard in this life and rest forever in heaven. Amen. Life is short. Huh? Work hard now, we can rest in heaven. You agree with that? Yes. Yeah. Work hard now, uh, in heaven we can rest for all eternity. The other option is, you know, rest now, fall into sin, and suffer forever in hell. <laughs> it's really, it's either one or the other, no? It's a market contrast, but it's either one or the other. Either we, we collaborate with God, work, suffer, carry the cross patiently, and we make it to heaven. Or we give in to our passions, sensuality, live a life separate from God, and suffer forever in hell with the devil, being tortured. There's no, there's no other option. You can lie to yourself and believe in reincarnation, the New Age movement, but that's a lie. It doesn't exist. You're not going to return as a caterpillar or as, you know, Prince Charles. It's not going to happen, okay? <laughs> no matter how much you will it, it's not going to happen, no? <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> okay. So, the grace we're going to be begging for this week is... Uh, how's your Spanish? Intensissimo gozo. Intensissimo gozo. Most intense joy. But the reason for this joy is that Jesus, Jesus is truly risen from the dead. Hallelujah. So the fact that he's risen from the dead is the ultimate source of our overflowing joy. So the Blessed Mother experienced great suffering 
uh, and sorrow during the Passion, now Mary experienced an overflowing joy. And the reason for the joy is specifically because Jesus rose from the dead, he conquered death, he opened up the gates of heaven so that when we die, we can go to heaven to be with our Lord forever in heaven. That's the reason for the joy. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So the reason for this great joy is that Jesus has truly risen from the dead. Never to die again. Never to die again. So the Easter scenes or meditations, as Catholics, the first resurrection appearance as Catholics is to the Blessed Mother. If you're a Protestant, I don't think you are, you say, well, that's not in the Bible, Father. It's not in the Bible, therefore I do not believe it. Well, you know, not everything is in the Bible. We believe in Bible and tradition, right? Ignatius says, are you without understanding? Of course he's going to appear to his blessed mother first. She's the only one that didn't doubt. Not to believe that is almost absurd. He means he's going to sidestep his mother? Are you kidding? <laughs> so you have, to, you have to imagine how it happened. We don't exactly know how, uh, how exactly, what hour. So you have to utilize your imagination you see Jesus encounter Mary uh, on that day in which he rises from the dead. Then the appearance to Mary Magdalene early in the morning. Then later on at night, Jesus is going to, he's going to appear to the apostles who are in the upper room where the door is closed. And he goes through the um, the cynical and he in the glorified body and he says shalom peace be with you and he breathes on them the spirit and says receive the spirit whose sins you forgive they will be forgiven whose sins you hold bound will be held bound and he gives them the Easter gift which is the sacrament of his mercy confession But then there's another apparition. Be in the afternoon. Maybe about three o'clock. You got two of his disciples. They're taking a walk. They're walking away from the church. They're kind of sad. They're discouraged. They're in desolation. They're questioning, they're doubting, they're debating, they're um, kind of crestfallen because their, their friend, Jesus, is gone. They're hoping that he was going to free them. 
they're walking from Jerusalem, they're taking a walk, their walk is going to be about seven miles. They're walking to a little town, and the town is called Emmaus. And as they're walking, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this, this man starts to walk next to them, this stranger. And as they're walking, he catches up to them. He says, what are you talking about? And they say, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard of Jesus? And they say, what things? And then what happens is they open up and they tell Jesus all that's going on in their life, how they feel, whether they're sad, whether discouraged. They're hoping that Jesus would be the Messiah. And he's listening. You know, they never met a better listener than this man. Great listener. So they're opening up and they're just um, they're just unloading. And he's listening to every word that they say. But not only that, but he seems to understand not only their words, but what's going on in their hearts. Seems to be an old friend that an old friend that has known them almost as if their whole life. Even though it's the first time they've been walking, he seems to understand them better than anyone else has ever understood them. So they're walking and they're talking and they're unloading, and they're explaining. And what has happened is this desolation that they've been experienced. This desolation disappears. And after they finish talking, and he opens up his mouth, and he starts explaining to them all those verses that referred to him from the Old Testament. Psalm 22, the suffering servant of Isaiah. All these verses that refer to him, he's explaining. And not only have they met a man that is a good listener, but he's even a better speaker. They never, they never met a man that knew the Bible better than this man, this stranger, this foreigner, this pilgrim. He's a great listener, and he's a great speaker. And boy, does he know the Bible. He knows the Bible in and out. And what happens is they, they, they arrive, they arrive at their destination. But upon, upon arriving, it looks, it looks like he's, he's got a, he, has to, he has to meet someone further down the road. So they say to him, stay with us. Stay with us because the sun is going down. Stay with us because the day is coming to an end. Stay with us. Stay with us. Isn't that a beautiful prayer? 
Shouldn't you say that prayer? Yes. Stay with us, Lord. Do not abandon us. Stay with us. The sun is going down. I'm getting older. My, my health is not as strong as it was when I was 22. My life is moving on. Stay with us, Lord. Stay with me. Don't abandon me. And you know, he accepts. He accepts the invitation. He respects our freedom. So they've arrived at Emmaus. And apparently they got a, they've got a little house there. Spanish, una casita. Little cottage. So they open up the door. And try to imagine the house. It wasn't a big mansion. In Casita, a little house. Kind of dusty. And musty smelling. You know? And, uh, you know, maybe I have to get rid of the, the cobwebs, you know. There's a table there. And there's uh, three chairs, but maybe there's four. And there's some chairs. You have to dust the chairs off with the cobwebs. They sit down at this, this rustic table. And the key element, the key physical element that you have to meditate upon is they have some bread. Was it a day-old bread there? Or maybe a week-old bread? Maybe they brought it, okay? Maybe they carried the bread. So they got bread. So the three of them sit down. If there's a fourth chair, that fourth chair is for you. Would you like to sit down with them? How about you? You want to sit down with them? You're invited. But he's the one, the foreigner, he's the one that sits down. He's the one that takes hold of the bread, not them. He, he takes the initiative to take the bread. Now, there's going to be four verbs in the present tense. Okay? He... Well, well, let's do it in order. Can, can we? Okay. Now, don't, jump, don't, don't jump the gun now, okay? He takes the bread... Oh, you're, 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 you're jumping again. He takes the bread. He blesses the bread. Then? Then he breaks the bread. Then? He distributes it. Okay, he gives it. Okay. So let's go through those words again. So this, this foreigner, he takes the bread. He blesses it. He breaks it, and then he gives it. He gives it. Have you ever heard those words before? Have you ever heard those words? I've been saying them every day for the past 33 years of my life. Oh, what does that mean? I've been saying those words every day for the past 33 years of my life. Since 1986, May 25th. You got it! You picked up my illusion there, huh? What he was doing there, he was celebrating Mass. You got it, right? Yes. It's the second Mass. 
first Mass was Holy Thursday. Second Mass was Easter Sunday night. And maybe about five o'clock. It maybe took two hours to do the walk. You know, eight, eight, eight miles and walking. Uh, maybe six o'clock. You know, walking uh, two and a half miles per hour. But uh, well, once they started walking by themselves, they're kind of dragging their feet. You know? Once they started walking with him, they're walking at a bit, a bit of pace. You no. Know? <laughs> It's easy to help you pick up the pace, huh? <laughs> we walk with the Lord, we kind of drag our feet. We walk with Christ, hey, we're flying, huh? <laughs> yeah. So he takes the bread. Can you, you got it right now? Blesses and... Breaks it. Amen? And gives it. Yeah, you got it, okay. <laughs> In that moment, something happened. It's like scales fell from their eyes. And they recognized him. Up to that point, this was just a, this is a foreigner, this is a stranger, who really was a good listener, a great speaker, and really seemed to know them, love them, and understand them. Now they recognize, the scales fell from their eyes. They, they recognized that it was Jesus Christ. And what happened is they were filled with joy. Now, if you're walking eight miles, maybe underneath the sun, too, you'd probably want to take a rest, wouldn't you? Yeah. Would you? How about you? Would you want to take a rest? But they, you know, instead of just taking, going to bed and having a nice big, um, you know, a big, a big meal, they don't think about that. They're energized. They're filled with energy and they cannot keep this to themselves. What do they do? They return to Jerusalem. So they're walking close to 15 miles. When was the last time you walked 15 miles? Maybe never done it in your life, huh? And, but when they're returning, it, it's almost as if those seven miles coming back and maybe just a half a mile they're filled with so much joy and enthusiasm that they're flying back. And they arrive at where the apostles are and they tell the apostles, we have met the Lord. We have met the Lord. And, they, they, and the Bible says, they say, were not our hearts burning within us? Right, Dana? Our hearts were burning within us as we walked with him along the world and as he broke bread, our hearts were burning within us. You know what we have there? We have a model of mass in miniatures, like a little mass. The Mass can be divided in many ways, but two basic parts of the Mass is called the Liturgy of the Word and the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Right? Liturgy of the Word, Liturgy of the Eucharist. So, the first part of this passage, they're walking and they're listening and they're talking and this stranger what does he do? He explains 
the word of God to these two bewildered, sad, depressed disciples. He's explaining the word of God to them. That's the first part of the Mass. That's called the Liturgy of the Eucharist. Second part, they arrive at the house. That's the Eucharistic liturgy. Second part. The taking of the bread. The taking, the blessing, the breaking, the giving. You got it? <laughs> there you have the second part of the Mass. And their eyes are open and they're filled with so much joy that they cannot keep it to themselves They've got to bring the good news to others. Amen? Amen. So let's interpret this. Let's try to interpret this in our own lives. Beautiful Easter passage. Give a personal interpretation. When in our lives we have decided to walk away from Christ, to walk away from the church, to walk by ourselves, to be individualistic, to trying to live our lives by ourselves, we experience a lot of sadness. We experience the state of desolation. Right? It's so true. You try to live our lives separate from Christ, you're sad. You might try to fill yourself with empty pleasure. Eating, drinking, immorality, and drugs, and buying. Filling yourself with these false gods. That's called idolatry. <laughs> Filling yourself with these pleasures which fill you with a little bit of pleasure and you're cast into a more profound pit of sadness. True joy. We're going to be begging for, for intense joy. You're going to be begging for intense joy. can only come when we live out the experience of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. Live it out to the full. So let's use a few other verbs okay, to finish this reflection. Want to be joyful, right? Yes. We have to, number one, we have to walk with Jesus. Got to walk the walk. You got to walk with Jesus. Now, don't walk by yourself. Don't be a typical American rugged individualist, okay? Daniel Boone. <laughs> Remember reading that one, right? Okay. You can't be walking by yourself. You got to be walking with Christ. No? The second is. Good. But I would say, yeah, yeah. How are we going to put... For, we have to listen to Him. And really, that's what the Holy Hour is. We're walking with Christ. We're listening to Him. We're listening to Him through the reading of the Bible. 
in the commentary. He speaks to us through the Bible. He speaks to us through the commentary. He speaks to us through the priest. And then you mention it. You have to talk. So we walk with him. We listen to him through the word. We talk to him. That's what prayer is. right? Prayer is listening to God and talking to God. Father Greg Staub gave a really good definition of prayer. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is talking to God. And prayer is love, loving God. Good definition? Yep. Listening, talking, and loving. Loving is the most important. Huh? Yeah. But there's a couple others. And the next would be this. Are you listening? We have to invite him. Didn't they invite him into the house? We have to invite him too. Invite him. Now sometimes we, we, we call a friend, or we, we want to do something with a friend, and he's just too busy. You know, Jesus is never too busy for us. How humble he is, right? Other people are too busy for us because they've got busy schedules, right? Jesus is never too busy for you. That's how important you are. <laughs> right, Michelle? Yeah. He's never, too bu- He's never too busy for us. Well, we're too busy for him because we're so important, right? There's a bit of irony there. <laughs> He's never too busy for us. We're too busy for him. Don't forget, we're important people. we get very important schedules, right? How humble God is. And then, we have, to inv- we have to invite him in. The next, we have to sit down at table with him. That's Mass, right? You have to sit down at table with him. Got to go to Mass. Hopefully daily Mass. Amen? Give us just our daily bread. No, no, not our yearly bread, but our daily bread. Got that? I'm not finished. A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of verbs in the present tense. And then, we have to receive him. What does that mean? We have to receive him. I haven't finished yet. Then we have to bring him to others. Not a lot of verbs there, huh? We've got to walk with him. We have to listen to him. We have to talk to him. We have to invite him. We have to receive him. We have to bring him to others. And the most important thing is we have to love him, right? Yes. Love him and make him loved by others. So that's the conclusion, my friends, of our exercises. If we really want to experience joy, we have to try to carry out those verbs. Walk with him, listen to him, talk to him, invite him, receive him, bring him to others, love him, and make him loved. If we do that, you're going to be experiencing great joy today, tomorrow, and forever, and one day in heaven. Amen? Amen. So I'd like to conclude by 
thanking our facilitator for helping us out, we want to give them a The Lord be with you. And may Almighty God bless all of you with peace, joy, a long life, and eternal life. In the name of the Father, and the Son. God bless you, and I pray that you persevere, okay? This is international Catholic singer Anna Nuzzo inviting you to join me and Father Dan Cambra of the Marian Fathers on a select international tours Divine Mercy pilgrimage to Poland and the Czech Republic. It takes place in September of 2019 and we would love for you to join us. For more information, go to my website, AnnaNuzzo.com. Thank you and God bless. Breadbox Media Programming is brought to you by Introducing the redesigned CatholicSingles.com Featuring new ways that put the spotlight on the person and their faith Not just a profile picture For the past 20 years, faithful Catholics have used CatholicSingles.com And the reimagined CatholicSingles.com website Is ready to help single Catholics take the next step In sharing meaningful relationships with other faithful Catholics Remember, CatholicSingles.com For faith, fellowship, and love.